welcome to Beyond Beckdale, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. This episode, writer and producer Just Jen comes back to talk about quite a few Trojan horses that all sit within the rom-com genre. Here's our chat. Do it, Morris. Do it to me now. I need it. You're the only one who does it the way I like it. So I am here with Just Jen again, who's come back on the podcast. Hi. (laughs) And uh, we're going to talk about multiple things. And the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, probably two of your Trojan horse performances. Um, And so this, uh, which I should have put on an earlier episode, hopefully, is where we have a female performance or something in a film where traditionally this might fail the Bechdel test or isn't something that looks that great in terms of inspiring women in cinema and yet you you realize that women when they're on camera behind the camera or anything in this male-dominated world they can still put something in which is amazing which uh we think is a contribution to cinema so your first trojan horse is um it comes from the first wives club Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a a 90s movie with Diane Keaton. And so My Trojan Horse is a specific scene and it's at the very end of the movie. Do you want to like talk a bit about the movie first in case anyone hasn't seen it? So the premise of First Wives Club is uh, three women um, are are getting divorced from their husbands who is leaving them all for younger women. So they basically just want to get revenge on them and that's basically without giving up too much away yes Uh, so they want to get revenge on their husbands and their sort of new younger models but the end of the movie specifically it's a freeing sort of scene and a bit random because it doesn't really go with the tone of the rest of the movie yeah so so the tone i would say is is more it's it's kind of rom-com except it's very female focused but a lot of the way through the films you have these three main characters. So you have Diane Keaton, you have Bette Midler, um, and who's ooh. the other one? I cannot remember. Her. Oh, I think it's, um, is it Goldie Horn? Yes, yes, that sounds familiar, yes. And Goldie Horn, because I haven't seen this in a long time, but I have <laughs> seen it numerous times. Um, they uh, all have their different husbands, yes. and all of their husbands, all, all the women that their husbands are with are all like kind of stereotypical bimbos. Is one of them yes. Sarah Jessica Parker? Yes, one of them yep. is, yep. And... Um, <laughs> playing a role that she li- liked to play a lot in like the 80s, 90s, which yeah. was a kind of bim- bimbo character. Yeah. And um, it very much does something which I think we've moved on in, in real life, mm-hmm. but um, certainly back then we would automatically, in a film, set up uh, your protagonists yeah. are the women and the antagonists are, are the, the other younger women yes. instead of... The, the men. cheating husband. Yeah, who should yeah. be the antagonist, yeah. So it is a very funny film and it's yeah. quite light-hearted. It is. There's, there's it's an also, easy watch. Yeah, there's, there's some drama as well, some tears. There is, especially because yeah. of how it starts, which is the women end up getting together because one of their old high school or college friends commit suicide because oh, yeah. her husband has left her. So that's sort of where it starts and then mm. it sort of spirals from there. So yeah, it definitely has 
some sort of drama and like hard truths at its heart, but ultimately keeps things quite light. Is it Nancy Myers? Directed by <gasps> Hugh Wilson. Who is Hugh Wilson? <laughs> and I was like, that was a completely left field for me. I don't even me. know who he is. What else has he done? Um, he did direct a couple of police academies. Okay. Yeah, yeah so definitely on the comedy tip. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, Hugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, so the yeah, the end of the movie yeah. has the three women um, getting together, and they've just had they've had some sort of fundraiser event. And it's just three of them left together. They're dressed in white, and then they just. Suddenly... And I think they're kind of back. Are they almost back with their husbands? It's almost like a denouement. Yeah, like it's sort of been resolved. Kind of. Oh, yeah. they decided to go in a different direction, or they, or they realised that what they were focusing on wasn't the right thing to focus on. Yeah. And they, I guess become true to themselves and realise they don't need their husbands so much or in the way that they thought they did or they value themselves a lot more now as women after what they've gone through and then they start singing You Don't Own Me and it just starts really randomly they're just like one of them starts out with the lyrics and then they all just join in stand up and sort of do a whole dance number and it's just fantastic to watch No way, I'm out I'm not Stop it! No, I'm not gonna You don't own me and don't tell me what to do, and don't right. tell me what to say, and when I go out with you, don't put me on display. Pretty good. <laughs> you remember. You don't own me. Don't try to change me in any way. You don't own me, don't tie me down cause I'll never stay. You just understand where they've been through, what they've, and how freeing and how happy and how resolved everything is. So, and I guess it sort of becomes less about what their husbands have done to them and how it affected them and mm-hmm. how they've grown and become more themselves and are just more about. It ends up being more about female empowerment than it does about my cheating ex-husband who left me for a younger model, um, which is what I think and what I love about it. So, do you think so? You think that the point, Mr. Wilson, if you will, (laughs) who's directing this, who I don't know who he is, um, Mr. Wilson's war against rom-coms or traditional rom-coms. So he makes, so they make this film. They have these very famous lead women who are of a certain age at the time, Mm -hmm. and then they, um, you think if you go to the cinema to watch the film or watch it on TV, which is what people would do now because it's um, definitely nineties, isn't it? Um, You would go to this and you were like, I am watching an old school romantic comedy about um, these downtrodden wives and their kind of emancipation. And the traditional goal at the end of this kind of movie is for them to get their husbands back. Yeah. That's really that's what they're you, trying yeah. to make you say. Yeah. Yeah, forget those bimbo young women. Yeah, How yeah. do really you want us? Yeah. yeah. Come back to your wife who you loved yeah. the first time. And that's, I think that's what you think or what you expect because I think again 90s rom-coms all have a specific formula they follow like yes. oh no I've been, something's, something bad has happened to me I now need to get my revenge in the end I realise I go back to where it's like it comes full circle yes but I think what's so great about this is by the end of the movie you're like does it come full circle like, it leaves yeah. you with that question of actually they now have the choice to do what they wish they don't have to go no. back to, I think one of them is debating going back to their yes. husband but they've got the choice they don't have to they can if they want and so at the end like I said it becomes 
more of a movie about female empowerment, which I'm, yes. I'm sure is what Mr. Wilson intended yes. when he directed. I'm sure. Absolutely, <laughs> Hugh. Dear friend Hugh, we'll never forget your name again. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a perfect Trojan horse because for, let's say, well, it was probably made as a date movie. So you're, a, you know, probably heterosexual couple, I'm just guessing, in the 90s in America, man and woman going to this film. And I think, although maybe it was a film that actually people went with their friends. It might actually Ooh, yeah, like a gal pal. Yeah. Like, you know, I've just gone through a breakup. Let's now yeah. go and watch and, like, you know, cry over my ex. Yeah. And, like follow along on that sort of hope that these women get the best of their ex cheating ex-husbands yes. sort of thing and I think it's interesting because if you go into it with that sort of thought of being like yeah like I'm on your level but then actually you walk out with like actually I'm okay yeah. like it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a movie of healing yeah exactly <laughs> instead of that dichotomy of I love this person and I want to hurt them but at the end I still want them back it's yeah. like that's actually like quite damaging yeah, yeah. and then instead it's like wait a minute yeah I'm actually all right on my own or or what decisions yeah it's like an agency movie I love this person they Mm. hurt me actually I don't have to go back to them I can find happiness and heal somewhere else and that's my choice yeah and that's my choice and that's why it's a Trojan horse perfect example (laughs) special agent Gracie Hart is as tough as nails she's got a lot of rage and she's completely unpolished. <laughs> Honey, hmm? are you a lesbian? Dad, <laughs> I wish. But when the FBI needs an undercover agent... The bombers picked another target. We have ourselves a national emergency. It's the Miss United States pageant. The only man for the job <laughs> is a woman. You do a few butt-shaping exercises, you tighten this up... You could pull this off. You know what? Pull this off. Similar, it's the same kind of dynamic. You're looking at this film which has a traditional female audience Mm -hmm. and you think is giving an old school traditional female message and then slip something in that makes you think, hmm, is is that that Exactly. And so I think, which with the second Trojan Horse, which is Miss Congeniality, I don't think... So I've seen this film, I rewatched it very recently, and when I did, I think it's when I realised it doesn't quite go the way I remember it going. I think everyone thinks of Miss Congeniality as, you know, Sandra Bullock comes in, like, um, infiltrates a Miss America competition, she, she's great kind of thing. But then, watching it back now, aside from all the sort of things that they say that you can't quite say oh, in, no. in a film anymore, and like sort of, the, it's a lot to do with the male gaze, actually, in that movie. But watching it again, I just sort of had a thought that actually it's it's less about yes there's the male gaze but she's not gazing back she's sort of focused on her own tasks doing what she needs to do I mean she does have a, a make a, a great makeover scene but she still remains true to herself she doesn't suddenly become she doesn't suddenly become the the clothes that she's wearing and also along those lines she also realizes that women that she sort of then works within the Miss America competition isn't what she thought they were. Yes. So, so a lot about women, sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? It's about women realizing with, within each other that they're the only ones that matter. Yes. If that's right. Self-important. Yes. That's Which is it. normally like a, it sounds like a negative word. Yeah. But just think, putting your own thoughts center. You yeah. don't necessarily have to be selfish mm-hmm. but asking yourself what do I want yeah and the thoughts Who of am other I? women exactly yeah. because like I said she works for the FBI she's surrounded by only male colleagues 
who sort of laughed, slap her ass all the time and like out like peering at all the women changing as they're doing the swimsuit but she's not looking back there's a small element of she clearly likes one person will they won't they but it's so minute in regards to all the other things that are going on and yes. she's all it's just her and the women and she's protecting these other women and she's learning about herself as a woman and like what she likes and what she doesn't like what she thought she knew and subverting all those like um stereotypes and so yeah secretly Yes. So it's we've kind of about female empowerment. Yes. <laughs> we've kind of we've skipped over without talking about what the actual film is because we both know the film. Maybe everybody listening knows what the film is. But how I understand the plot, because again it's been a while since I've watched it and it's fresh in your mind, is that she's a police officer and she has to go undercover at a beauty pageant. That's right. What's the crime? Because what? That's the bit I don't remember. Because they hear that there's going to be some sort of national threat or a bomb is going to go off. Ah, terrorists. Yeah, someone's told them that some sort of crime is going to happen. Yeah. So they need to get someone on the inside and they pick Sandra Bullock, who, with her um, initial characteristic, is someone who doesn't really care about her looks. Mm. She's seen as one of the guys. The guys at the office don't even see her as a woman. They're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, forget her over there. Like, Oh, there's a lot of, like, gender normality issues, aren't there? Yes. So if you're a woman, you have to be... That's that's the problem with a makeover in any movie. It's, well, you know, you, you, can, you can probably go much further back than this, but I always think of The Breakfast Club and how yeah. I've seen The Breakfast Club so many times. And back when I first watched it, I was like, oh, they've made Ali Sheedy look so pretty. Yeah. And then now I watch it and I go, oh my God, no, she's not a better person <laughs> because you can see her face and she's got eyeliner. Yeah. But I get that because that's the language that uh, Molly Ringwald's character is, is using. And yeah. I think that um, you can put that in its time. And I think, yeah, the Trojan horse aspect of this film is, again, it's funny because we always, as an audience, seem to love a clearly beautiful woman uglifying yeah. up and then becoming a beautiful yeah. swan. It's like ridiculous. Um, I always thought that about She's All That. You yes. know, Lainey Boggs. It's like, she's clearly gorgeous. And we're just waiting for the... You just sat yeah. there, like, fingers, like, touching, yeah. just waiting for the transformation scene to happen type thing. Yeah, but. so that's... That's a whole separate issue about yes. that we want that. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that's fine because, like, everyone wants to be made to feel that they're attractive, even if yeah. maybe it's a stereotypical norm of attractiveness. I don't know. Yeah. But um, with this, um, I think that the point you're trying to make as to why this is a Trojan horse is because even after all of that, she still retains yeah. her essential sense of self. She yeah. asks herself the question, does how I look... Uh, is, is it how I look important yeah, to me exactly. and how I conduct myself? Can I can I use it? Which she does obviously in the job. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it, it's mined for comedic effect. And but I like that she doesn't like she doesn't have the makeover. With, she doesn't even want the makeover. No, she's not. She's like, very oh, resistant. Okay, yeah, I want to do it because I'm going to go on this date. Like she's like, no, pick someone else, anyone else, please. No, no, not me. And then she has it. And then again, she's she's suddenly not being like, oh my god, everyone's looking at how attractive I am. Oh, I look great in this dress. She's still herself. She's walking down like on their way to like the car, and she's just like, I haven't slept in eight hours. I've been waxed all over the place, and I need a burger. But she's not like, oh, but guys, do you like me? So no, you're right. She's still because it makes it very clear that you're still yourself no matter what you look like exactly. your essential self is not your looks exactly which I yeah. think is what's so great about it so I think mm. everyone remembers that makeover scene but I guess the message behind it is like you said she hasn't changed as a person no. she's just changed her clothes straightened her hair and got a wax like it's, it's a mask to, it's like um, code switching yeah. maybe almost it's like she has to work in that world and so therefore she has to look a certain way talking about these Trojan horses is like I made an idea in my head which is that pray tell 
months. So maybe they're all there already in the films we see. And I've already seen these films. I haven't looked at them in this way because I'm told by society that that's what that film is supposed to be telling me. But what you've kind of said to me is like, go back, revisit these classic romantic comedy films. Actually look that they're saying something like that's more about emancipation than you think. And it's the marketing maybe. Or the word of mouth. Yeah. or, Or distilling it. Maybe it's like the social media generation where it's like not that you know it was a, people were doing that but it's almost like we like humans are just desperate to categorize everything yes. and it's like you, the music the editing all of this stuff is telling you it's one thing but actually the dialogue is telling you something completely different and again like miscontinuity well i think it's seen as a, a more of a comedy movie than a rom-com so let's say yes. with um First Wives Club, obviously yes. seen as a romantic comedy. And so you already have a, a slew of 90s movies like coming to your head when you think of romantic comedy, like yeah. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, yeah. and like, Throw You to Launch, and like all those throwback. Uh, you just Matthew love McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. I do love Matthew McConaughey, any excuse. <laughs> but really. Um, those films I like, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but then really, if you go back and look, mm. um, well, maybe not the one, like those mm. ones specifically, because I can't remember how they end but there is another message in there and maybe the message comes from yeah. knowing more about what you watch the more you watch the more you know sort of yeah. thing or growing up is seeing it with a new set of eyes like you could yes. watch these movies as teenagers and you, you're sort of bred to think a certain yeah. way you, as ta- a you take the romance happily ever after I must yes. get my man as the message exactly when in fact You've, when the you director's up. trying to tell you <laughs> yeah. something else so uh, do you know the director of this film uh, I do not you know, you know, Mr. Wilson yeah. is his friend, Mr. Petrie, oh. Donald Petrie. Do you know who Donald Petrie is? No, what's he? I don't know. Let's have a look. Uh, did he do Miss Congeniality too? <laughs> uh, no, he didn't. He did Just My Love. Oh, he did How to Lose a Guy in 10 oh, Days. Really? Yeah, I do love him. <laughs> yeah, he did oh, Mr. Pizza. Like, oh, oh, I liked Mr. Oh, uh, Richie Rich. Another great movie. Wow. He did Just My Luck. I love that movie, but yes. mostly for the McFly element of that movie. Oh, I love poli- McFly. Jen, throwing you off the podcast. <laughs> um, that's Chris Pine. That's the first time I think I saw Chris Pine, is it? Just yes. My Luck? Yes. But it's not yeah. The per- yeah. It might have been the first. It's, it's like one of the earlier yes. performances I can remember. It's probably not the first time he was on screen. Yeah. Or maybe it was actually one of those films where I went back and I saw it on TV and I was like, oh my God, that was Chris Pine before looks, I knew it was Chris Pine. He doesn't look like Chris no, Pine No, he's still movie. got quite high hair, <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Chris Pine and Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. That's like a separate the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, maybe there's something to be said here about your choices, which is maybe there is a certain... So it's, it's both white men yes. who are directing these films. Yes. And, but they're, they're people who've had very specific career arcs, don't seem to have directed that many films. Although, you know, Petri, give him some credit, mm-hmm. he's on some big ones. He's probably been quite... Probably some more known ones, yeah. This... The fact that they didn't bring him back for Miss Congeniality Which too. Which was a mistake, because the second movie is not nearly as I good haven't as the even first. seen it, so that's I my take on it. I just wouldn't. <laughs> Miss Congeniality cost $45 million to make and made 213 So quadrupling this budget. Yes. I'm always interested in it. I love you know? that, like, yeah. I love seeing that. It's like, yeah, and... Um, it was a surprising success. And, yeah, Sandra and Bullock... launch her yeah. quite a bit. Uh, or certainly launched a different phase of her career, I'd say, yeah. because I'd still say there are things... Yeah, there were some earlier movies. Yeah. I need to go back and rewatch actually, yeah. that she doesn't... She's not even... 
Well, when she she's either the sort of side character, yeah. still like one of the main characters, but a side character, more serious dramas. And so yes. this was, yeah, you're right, like gave, another, gave her a different face. She's saying, why can't I do comedy as well? Exactly. And then it goes into a whole slew of like, because you can even break up Sandra Bullock's career into like comedy comedy and rom-com yes. comedy. Okay, okay. So, although like my favourite film is probably, well, I like her in Gravity. But I also like uh, her and Matthew McConaughey in A Time to Kill. I can bring everything back to McConaughey. I really, oh, okay. I, love I love that, that. film. Okay. I, I need yeah. to rewatch that film. I've just got the one yeah. scene stuck in my head, and actually, it's on, on my list of things to rewatch this yeah. year. So, I think that um, I'm not sure we're going to suddenly turn that into a Trojan horse. Although I would say that Sandra Bullock is very good in that film yeah. <laughs> because she is playing she is playing a character you should hate yeah because she's like an upstart really rich really like um i uh, think she's great really really confident young uh lawyer and yeah. i think that like she is like that would be like textbook millennial now yeah. and i think uh, <laughs> that's like not not fair yeah but also yeah maybe she is the queen of Trojan horses. Secretly the queen of Trojan horses, yes. Yeah. So so from this we've learned that go back and rewatch a film that you think might be not as great to women or, yeah. or not portray that good a message. Yeah, or not as deep as you think it is. Yeah. And then suddenly you'll find you'll find something. I think once you start looking, you find mm sort of thing so yeah I'm, I'm now definitely interested in going back and watching a lot of movies that I have watched before and, and had different thoughts on whether it's thoughts that I didn't like them for whatever reason mm-hmm. and like now going back and be like actually this was either artistically done really well or written really well or has some really great hidden messages that with my younger eyes I may not have yeah. seen so yeah it's never harm to rewatch something especially no. after it's been like years and years and years and once you that sort of know more about the world or grow or just have different experiences yeah. you'll be able to relate more with certain things and that's the real truth Yes. Horse. <laughs> film is something that can change in the same way that people can. Your perception can change. Yeah. High five. Nice. <laughs> Our society needs world peace. World peace. World peace. Harsher punishment for parole violators, Stan. And world peace. <laughs> on Mastermind, <laughs> no pressure, uh, is, I don't know what we're actually going to call this, but kind of the, the relationship between book to film, book to screen, yeah. adaptation. That sounds good. Yeah, adaptations. Mm. Book to screen. Yeah. Small and big. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Perfect. So um, you are an avid reader as well as an avid watcher. Yes. Um, Spend a lot of time by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me. <laughs> Outside world. <laughs> oh, and, we, and currently, we should probably say, actually, that we are in the UAL campus, which is um, at King's Cross, London. And um, we're in this huge, like, um, like open, old-fashioned brick building, but, um, which is covered, but um, quite echoey. So um, whenever I speak to Jen, she doesn't, she doesn't want anyone to know what her real name is. She doesn't <laughs> want anyone to properly hear her voice. So, you know, it's like, it's yep. like a spy drama, yep. except we have this huge microphone and no, everyone can Everyone's clearly watching, see what, what we're, we're doing. doing. Yep. Yeah. But um, anyway, back to this. So, um, Adaptations. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, my first question is more... 
I suppose for me personally, mm-hmm. can you still enjoy something if you're looking at the same or similar thing in two different mediums? How do you normally consume book to screen? I always, preferably, try to go book first, movie second. I mean, there are certain things that I'll have already, I will have already have seen, read the book. So when the movie comes out, it's great. I already, there's no need to sort of backtrack. But then there are some things that are coming out and I might either hear about it or see it like two seconds of the trailer and then pause it and be like, nope, I want to read the book because I already know it's the book sort of thing. Or the first thing I see is based on the novel by like pause, like I'll go back, research the novel, be like, do I want to watch, do I want to read this? Do I not want to read this? If I don't want to read it, I'll be like, okay, great, fine. Let's just go and like watch the movie or watch the trailer. And if I do, I'm like, no, I'm not reading. I'm not watching any trailers. You have such restraint. Yes. I think that's... um, (laughs) I think if I did that, I'd probably be happier. Yeah. Um, Because, as I was saying to you off mic, if I've started watching something, I find it really difficult to then go and read it. I'm the same. I am the same. Mm. So, like, a TV series that I love, Outlander, haven't watched series four yet, but I didn't realise it was a book when I started watching it, so I got Is to... it a series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know how many books... Series of books I meant. Yeah. I, know it's a, I know it's a TV series. Yeah. A series of books. Yeah. There might be five or six, yeah. but don't quote me on that. Um, but it wasn't until after I'd watched the first series that I realised it was based on the book, or maybe even the first episode, and then I saw, like, based on the books by Diana someone, and I was like, Oh, and a woman writer. Yeah. Although I can kind of see that, because it is quite female gay, or female perspective, I mean, yeah. rather than gays. And I sort of wish I wish deep deep down to the depths of my soul that I had mm. read the book first because I feel like the book would have just been amazing and then to have watched it come out on screen I think would have but you been didn't know didn't you didn't know, know. Did, you, did you go back have you read any of it I haven't since? and I won't no, so you are spoiled yes. yeah I mean um, and it, well an example of something mm. that I have gone back and um, so the, I have a list of books mm-hmm. that I will have watched the movie or seen the TV series but I know that one day eventually in life once I've forgotten all about the movie or TV series and it's like completely blank I'll go back and read the book yeah so um, I think the first book I read this year was The Help so I had read I watched the movie didn't realise it was based on the book or I might not have even cared at the time it was quite a few years ago when it came out um, and then I, after I watched it I was like actually I'd love to go back one day and read the book and so I read the book this year I had completely forgotten most of the plot um, a lot of the characters except for um, what's her name Emma I knew Emma Stone yeah with her it. curly hair yeah yep. but other than that I completely <laughs> forgot and Octavia Spencer but I didn't yes. know what character she played yeah so when I went back to read the book it was with my own sort of version of characters and stuff and I could see it as it was written as it was meant to have been sort of understood because obviously the book came first yes so I think doing it that way is better because I, I can't remember what book it was but years ago I watched the movie and was like oh let me try and read the book and I just kept seeing the actors and that just really frustrated me and I was just like oh it just sort of feels off center because obviously the book wasn't directly adapted straight well that's one issue yeah so it's like oh but I mean doing the way I did with the help went in back completely blank like I actually need to go back and rewatch the movie because like I said I don't really remember much what happens but I think I did I remember that I liked the movie so in that respect it allows me to both enjoy the book and enjoy the movie as two separate things that have come together so what you're saying is you need like memory lapses yes (laughs) or enough time to have passed yeah and then you could read a book 
that you had already seen the film or screen adaptation. Yeah. Funnily enough, that's the only I, way I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I agree. Um, I read the book first. Oh yeah, and um, I, I enjoyed the book. I didn't like. I, I, I get very like funny about when something is raved about and yeah. it was and the film and the book were both raved about and the same. so yeah. I'm like do I want to read this because it's so hyped I'm really worried about my expectation because I'm a poor manager of high expectations <laughs> everything is like it's going to be the best thing I've ever read yeah. and it was good and it was a page turn I remember that and but I got then, to the end and I was like oh, it needs to have a sequel like I, I hate that when I'm like oh this is not ending the way I want and again I yeah. think that is about well that was that long ago but I was slightly younger and now I'm a bit more uh, comfortable with a with a little bit of ambiguity or a yes. more story to tell, and also as a writer, yeah. you might want to. I don't know if she wants to write a sequel, but yeah. I, I don't know. But um, uh, when I watched the film, I couldn't. I knew that lots of people were saying all oh, these Oscar-nominated performances, and yeah. it was this great. And I had definitely pictured lots of different people funnily enough not Octavia Spencer and not Emma Stone they are yeah. as in sorry I did picture though they were perfect yeah. but for example I can't get over it's Jessica Chastain yeah, playing I've forgotten her character day. with the blonde character yeah, yeah. and um, um, she's not who I would have pictured but. in the role at all but who's to say I'm casting it and I think that when you read a book first without even realising it without even being able to draw the characters mm. you somehow visualise them in yeah. your mind's eye and if you read, if you watch a film first or a screen adaptation first, when you go back to the book, like you said, you can't help but use the visuals. They're just yeah. in your brain. Exactly. Um, with Harry Potter... Read my mind. I, yeah. <laughs> I read, because for me it was a really weird time, with, with, um, which was I was, too, I was too old for them, but also... Yeah quite young it was about I read the first four I was giving them as a present yeah. I read the first four um, and I couldn't put them down and then I became one of those people waiting for them and I think maybe maybe the first four was when the first film came out maybe that's I why think that's does that right. sound right yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and so I definitely can't tell you any longer mm-hmm. whether Harry Potter is Daniel Radcliffe because to me he is and it's like but there must have been a time where I read four and like and Hermione and Ron and it's like, yeah. and I, I can't tell you anymore. It's so and now they put their pictures on the books, so not the old nice covers, yeah. but I am. Um, but I will read the books again yeah. and I will watch the films again. And it's a very rare thing. I think a lot of people probably have this about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I'm not so into Tolkien that I'm willing to go through that because yeah. those books are so yeah, they're very thick. Even very the films are too long for me. But um, I, I recognise that. There are certain things where you can make an adaptation yeah. that doesn't change your thoughts about you know whichever medium, but um, I think that's rare. You're right. I mm. definitely agree with the. Well, I can only speak from the Harry Potter aspect of it because I am sort of going through a reread, very ah, slowly reread. So I've just re- yeah. finished the fifth book. Ah. I think. Fifth book. But Look, with the first time they started to get long, you're like yeah, flipping it. Yeah, honestly, the it, it took me a while to get the, <laughs> yeah. to start the fourth one. I was like, oh, do I have time for this commitment? But it's just a bit. It's, with any other book, I'd be like, this is too long for me. I'm like, check it, Rolling. Yeah, it's like I've been there before. I could do it again. Like, <laughs> soldier through. But I think it's interesting because when I was rereading it, because it's been a while. Well, about well, only a year because I, I watched, I rewatched the films quite regularly. Uh, but it'd been a while since I'd. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've watched the movies when I started the sort of rereading it, and it was mm-hmm. sort of weird because. I was picturing my own Harry, Ron and Hermione, but then, I guess it's sort of weird to explain, and then randomly they'd shift, and I'd see Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was like during scenes that aren't depicted 
on yes, screen. I was going to bring that up actually. Yeah. I was sort of seeing my own versions again, mm. and then when it's something that was exactly like for like, it switched back to see that it's a bit of a weird one. But I mean, Harry Potter's so beloved that, like, you know, you just you just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. You've got to get over it. But that was actually my question. So. What I'm a little bit worried about, because I haven't read them in a while, is that I have decided now that the films are the story. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, I know yes. they cut out. As in, just because I'm no lazy brain, yeah. you're just trying to have the minimum amount no, of you're right. And I'm like, I am missing so many things. And it was only towards the end, actually, I think Deathly Hallows, part one and two, where they weren't quite, because that was actually quite close. Because yeah. I think, did the book come out? I can't remember how. Yeah, I feel it was like it was like a, a year close, or two between yeah. the, yeah, the movie. And I remember, the, like, you know, getting up at, like, I don't know what it is, four o'clock in the morning queuing for it yeah I was a right sad I wasn't wearing my uh, cape and uh, hat but I should have been um, and um, uh, and I read the book and there's so much in it and it's so thick and then those two films still like for example the animation yeah. the animation bit I had completely differently in my head yes yeah. it wasn't that I was disappointed just um, you can't put everything no, you can't, in a yeah. film in a TV series and maybe that's where Outlander yeah. is okay yes. maybe that's why it's like you, yeah, there's so much more space and maybe that's why books or book series adapted to TV series is a perfect yeah. mix because then you are They've getting got time and space yeah. to give you more mm-hmm. type thing but um, yeah I worry a little about you should have them as two separate entities and that's how you get mm. through this without getting pissed off yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember I've watched certain things and I'm like that was not in the book or where's this part that was really important yeah. to I think me? that with I guess staying sticking with Harry Potter that when the like you said the first four books had come out ish before the movie started mm-hmm. so I think for those first four you expected everything in the book to be in the movie yes. but then and they, were, and they were shorter books, yeah, so they maybe were. they could be, yeah. But then once sort of you realised where they were going and they were sort of taking things and certain things weren't even in there, I think by the time we got to the fifth, sixth or whatever the rest of them books, we were just like, eh, we get what we get and we'll, yes. we'll enjoy it either way kind of thing, which I think is quite interesting. And you're right, it forces you to hold the book and the movie separately or accountable in their own ways. Which is the best way, I think. Yes. Otherwise you might get to a point where you think you're wasting your time or have wasted your time and there's also this personal ownership part of it as Mm. well which is um and yeah we can always talk about harry potter because we could just do that all all day long but um i think there are a lot of things that if they i don't know if it was a book you read in your childhood or something that really spoke to you if the director and producers don't do it justice visually then that could actually like damage your appreciation of something there's a lot of you know yeah. social media vitriol with things like that when you know if you just look at Star Wars and that's not even that's that's like I was talking to Nick who's featured on the podcast yesterday actually about um, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi because he said that he, he quite likes 1, 2 and 3 yeah. and I'm like whatever I've watched them like a few times I can't get into this it all seems to be just people having a council meeting <laughs> that's how I explain it and Natalie Portman not doing anything except for looking beautiful yeah. and staying that's in a true. flipping room but, but that's like the later ones but um um, obviously, four, five, and six. So they were on TV. I don't, don't know if you yeah, noticed. Yeah, yeah. So I just stick them on because it's just one of those things. And I think that um, Nick said to me, I can never get. He can never get quite as happy about the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi because he's like he feels like they're remakes yeah. of four, five, six. I've heard that theory. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, Star Wars 
fanboys, which Nick really isn't, but you know, he it, it means a lot to him. He grew up with it, you yeah. know, he collected everything, he still has Lego figures. Um, uh, it, when something has changed like that, the adaptation, even though it's not supposed to be an adaptation, it's supposed to be a new work, it can really, I don't know, damage your enjoyment of something. That, yes. <laughs> I do agree. Podcast and, over. <laughs> end session. I guess it sort of reminds me of, um, well, okay, we're not going to go too much into the whole Disney aspect of it, but... We for, can. For, no, I think we can. This is a perfect example of um, adaptation, because just for the listeners, we were considering that maybe Jen's specialist subject would be um, these Disney uh, from pure animation to CGI and new animation, or, or whatever we want to call it, yeah. adaptation, um, different adaptation, and um, I was saying how I didn't necessarily want this to be part of the podcast, because... Um, I hate it and I didn't think I could give a balanced perspective yeah. so but I think you should quickly talk yeah. about Disney now if that's okay I guess it's sort yeah. of in the same way with Nick and Star Wars like yeah. we grow up watching like I loved Sleeping Beauty oh um, I loved Snow White I just loved all the Disney princesses and still do yeah the and Little so, Mermaid was yeah. like the songs uh, honestly even though you look at that film again and you're like uh oh <laughs> yeah so many things wrong not good <laughs> so many ways moving on and like I loved um, yeah Beauty and the Beast for example mm-hmm. and then but then when they changed it and it was Emma Watson I was like mm-hmm. it's Emma Watson it shouldn't be Emma Watson it should be this sort of cartoon figure <laughs> do you know what I mean she's like, too real yeah exactly like it's too realistic <laughs> and it almost ruins what you had as a child mm-hmm. sort of thing so it's sort of it's like an like adapt well it's not really adapting an adaptation but a, another version of it. reimagining or whatever bollocks That's they call exactly. it yeah. yeah and I just think it has the problem of like you said with Nick something that you've liked and, mm. and enjoyed especially because they're not changing it it's the exact same movie like for like but they've just made it with real people yeah. or like with real animation or whatever it is that the CGI yeah. so um, yeah not a fan it's like they're redoing The Witches the Roald Dahl oh yes yeah, I remember that. Angelica Houston I loved I was, I was terrified oh, of that movie oh that's such a terrifying film yes. to watch as a young person so terrifying jeez well actually maybe now but um, <laughs> definitely when I was younger but I heard they were redoing it told mm. a friend of mine and she was like just like no why are they doing it there's so mm. many things they're redoing the demon headmastered yes yes and it's just sort of I guess I understand what TV, si- TV series TV series yeah that's yeah. what I remember so I understand that yeah. things can't stay with a certain generation for life and I guess it's a new generation who would never have seen the demon headmaster and so this new version for example will be for them you can find the flipping but- witches on Netflix <laughs> I reckon okay demon headmaster maybe probably even on YouTube but, um, demon headmaster yeah or film four but- every now and again or wherever you I don't know I still believe so I know what you're saying it's weird it's mm. like we it's that personal ownership like yes. this is mine this was my childhood I grew up with this and now big money making corporations are changing it how dare they but yes or, really, not, or not changing it like yeah. I have to say it took me I have a rule for myself with the Disney adaptations which is I won't pay money to watch any of them <laughs> honestly I've watched some on a, I've, I've watched some on a plane I've, well other than you know I have subscriptions yeah. I watched Beauty and the Beast last year I think I was like oh I'm still enjoying this mm. because for me that adaptation I think maybe my problem is the animals because that adaptation I was like oh I am actually getting something different yeah Mrs. Potts not as good but then you have like more diversity in the cast and and, like some funny bits and you know potentially like you know a gay love story and I'm like okay if you're giving me something different yeah then 
I'm okay with that. But I'm hinting towards some sort of modernisation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you can rewrite some wrongs that you didn't know were wrongs at the time. Yeah. So I watched it and I was like, I quite like the pairing as well. I just yeah. thought they were they they work quite well. But yeah, you know, I'm not going to rush back and watch it again. Whereas I think I probably would watch the um, cartoon if it, it you know came on yeah. roughly and you know to sing the songs and all of that. But um, my my issue with the Disney adaptations is. I do think it is the animals because when I watch the Jungle Book, is it the Jungle Book? Yes. Yeah, because I get very confused. The Lion King's coming out. The Lion King hasn't come out no, yet, has that's it? Right. No. They're filming that and Beyonce's in it, so yeah. that is a tick. <laughs> or Beyonce's voice, I don't know. Um, but um, when I watched the Lion King, I was so disappointed. Yeah. Except maybe with Christopher Walken when he sings on the King of the Swingers, because where are you ever going to yeah, get that? That is amazing. <laughs> but the whole film I'm like there is no point to this yeah, so maybe the jungle, yeah. yeah maybe for me people from cartoon people to real life actors with a bit of CGI maybe and, and also I do think I have I take more ownership in the Lion King mm. uh, sorry yeah in the Lion King than I do to Beauty and the Beast because yes. are they going to remake The Little Mermaid I presume they uh, are probably eventually I yeah. mean they're probably just going through and yeah. taking down a long list <laughs> I mean I do want yes I think I understand what you mean because for example I'm not as mad well I'm not angry but I'm not as mad at um, Aladdin coming out as I am in for example Lion King mm. for Lion King I feel like it's just animation to animation whereas yes. with um, for example Aladdin you're seeing like actors trying oh so you're the opposite to me yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Like, you're trying, seeing actors sort of doing things I mean I'm still not you don't pre- like bulky Will Smith oh, just, it was a bit <laughs> I think like it'll take some getting used to <laughs> definitely when it comes out but I think I'd be more inclined to see that because I feel like they could do something different with it kind of thing oh. and it's the, the actors are giving their own we all know Will Smith his voice his tone his personality and I think he brings that to the movie yeah um, and I guess it's the same with Beauty and the Beast I did it I wasn't mad at it as no. well like I, I thought it was an okay movie I wasn't a fan of Cinderella which I think is the first one they did with Lily Collins yes no it's um, Lily James Lily James that's, <laughs> that's it she's but, a very good Cinderella yeah I liked her but it was just yeah. meh well, I don't really fancy Bodyguard. What's his face? Uh, he died at the Red Wedding. Spoiler! And uh, I'm Rich, going over. Richard I'm going Richard across Madden? things. Yeah. There, Richard, yeah. Yes. No. So to be honest, I was like, he's not my prince. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my prince hasn't arrived. Yeah. Next. Yeah. I preferred the stuff with the ugly sisters. That was quite funny. And I liked Helena Bonham Carter. She yeah, makes she any quite, film better. Yeah, definitely. Um, but again, so she brought something to. Hmm it being yes. live action I don't know it's a bit of a, I think the whole Disney thing is a bit weird like I think depending on what the trailer looks like who's yes. in it it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a give and a take with me like I definitely will not be one of the people who was immediately going like yes definitely going to watch it Disney don't care I'm there It'd have, there'd be so many factors that it would depend on so I, I was on yes. the fence with the Aladdin until I mean the music in the trailer the way they did that like just the orchestral music was just like okay and I, I loved Aladdin mm. and so with that I was a bit more like okay I'm still like I you know, don't know in the water know. maybe yeah yeah well that's something yeah. like for example right, I have something to admit personally on this podcast now, sure. <laughs> um, and it is a failing in me however I will say I was a very young child I used to watch all the time yeah. and had no concept whatsoever of the racism in it. Oh, I, if you, I haven't seen so it So there's a lot of so stuff really? with the crows and, um, yeah, there's a lot of actual, I, I believe now, I've having read up on it, Dumbo. yeah, maybe I'm ruining it for you too, <laughs> great. Um, uh, there's a lot of 
stuff with the because I like have you ever seen an elephant fly like I love the yeah. songs in Dumbo and that's that and the pink elephants on parade is mm. like well that's kind of about like drug use and stuff yeah. but that's fine <laughs> but there's apparently there's a lot of subtext there which is actually about like kind of um, like jazz choirs with people a colour in the deep south oh, really? and, and it's stuff that you know maybe you know a white person who grew up in Britain I can be excused yeah. didn't even occur to yeah. me that actually that there, there, there's actually like some um, like racist caricatures there yeah and so I think that Tim Burton is probably going to take all of that yeah. away now yeah you might be the same you might be like learning this like yeah, I no, did no. literally it was only recently yeah and, uh, do some research on Dumbo <laughs> yeah and it's really weird because it's like well now someone's saying that to me clearly you that see. might be what they meant and it was just yeah. like casual racism and you yeah. just don't know but I think that um I loved that film and yeah. I was you know an innocent child watching it and I didn't realize there were stereotypes So, what are your favourite adaptations? Maybe in terms of the more traditional book to TV or film. Oh, that's a toughie. Or can you think of any that you absolutely hated? That's normally quicker to come to mind. I hated... Or, or, you know, maybe hate's a bit of an extreme (laughs) word. Welcome to uh, Uh, my approach. Okay, how about I start with saying I'm excited for... Yes. Okay, that's the first thing that comes yeah. to mind. Positive, um, positive. Noughts and Crosses. Oh, yes, yes, yes. TV adaptation. And there's yes. also going to be a theatre. I, I need to read that book. I reread the first one. Oh, there's, um, there's a few, are there? Yeah, a there's like, oh. there's three and then there's like kind of four. Okay. But I mean, uh-huh. to most the first one is the best one. Okay. I'm not sure mm-hmm. I'll go back and I think that's probably like a wrinkle in time where yeah. I found out there was suddenly more. And I was like, and I was no. like oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I'm really excited for Noughts and Crosses to come out. Yeah. Um, the TV adaptation and also the play, if I get a chance to go and see that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they are redoing Emma. Oh uh, no, again. As a film or a series? A film. Okay. As far as I'm aware. Okay. I, I know I really like the BBC adaptation that was like 1996 or something like that. Uh, the R- Ramola Garay or with Johnny. Um, I can't who's in it. Uh, Johnny. Oh, the guy who, who's, who's now. Elementary. Yes, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Johnny Lee Miller. Yes. It's Johnny Lee Miller and I've watched it a lot of times. I really enjoyed uh, it. And Ramola Garay, if that's how you say her name. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say it. But yeah, she's Emma and he's Mr. Knightley. And I think yeah. they have incredible chemistry. I, yeah, honestly. Like for yeah. some, that film just got me, and yeah. it's been a while since her Jane, Jane Austen adaptation. Had yeah, because it was Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, and I, and was I like, can't yeah. watch that. I can't rewatch that, even though I actually think Paltrow is brilliantly Emma. Yeah. I think she actually personifies she was the character. Yeah, I don't like the film. I love that adaptation. So sorry, is it going to be a film? Yes, it's going to be a film. Who is directing? Oh, I do not. Or who is in know. it? I don't know. I know they're currently if they might why don't you just keep talking while I <laughs> use the Google machine it's either in pre-production or it's currently filming but I'm sure they have a cast by now um, so for 2020 you think if it's if they have a pre-production if it's not end of this year probably early next year oh it's coming up as Emma Film 2019 because I know they're doing oh Joe Wright is it Joe Wright oh I love Joe Wright my friend is going to like hang on hang on I've just seen a picture I might have this wrong <laughs> 
After some furious Googling, we have found out that it's being made by Working Title and Emma will be Anya Taylor-Joy, who I know from Split and Glass. And she was also in Thoroughbreds. Oh, yes, I haven't watched Thoroughbreds yet. No, I need to watch that, yes. Um, and Eleanor Catton, who wrote the Booker Prize-winning novel The Luminaries, is writing the script, which is really exciting. Nice. Uh, I've got nothing else here, but it does say there's going to be a Ben Wheatley adaptation of Rebecca. Yeah, I saw that. I'm, really, look, I'm looking forward to that because I still haven't seen the very old version. Oh, Black and White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I loved the book, mm. so I definitely now need to definitely go watch that before I can then yeah. watch the new one and then judge them harshly. <laughs> that's what this is all about. Um, and that's starring Lily James and Army Hammer, which oh, I think oh, I love is. I Lily James, yeah, actually, and Army so Hammer is That's Hollywoodizing. Um, and I was also going to mention when we started talking about this the adaptation of um, Little Women oh yes so um, this is a perfect example on my side of where I got very angry hearing an announcement because this was after um, all of the furore over the Oscar nomination for Greta Gerwig uh, as a director and now she's remaking this and um, what what do you think about Little Women book and or Winona Ryder uh, I would say I so far haven't watched or read Okay, I've tried to pick up and read the book twice now and oh. haven't, haven't been able to get in it into it but because I know that the adaptation is due to come out I believe the end of this year yeah I think I'm soon. gonna make another hardy attempt and I know they the UK did an adaptation was it last last Christmas maybe 2017 they came oh, out with yes. a mini series with Uma Thurman's daughter in it yes. Maya Maya Hawk yes. yes so she was I, good she was very good I like watched a little bit of it and it's like nope I I was, yeah. It was one of those things again where I was just like, <gasps> you did it again. I, I nearly went and I was just like, I'm going to start that. I was like, no, I am determined to eventually read this book. So I think this will be the year. So, um, which will be quite interesting because I think I might do a whole thing and sort of read the book and then go back and watch yeah. the, um, what's her name? Um, original Spider Man, Red Hair. Oh, um, Kate, Kirsten, Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. That's it. <laughs> so I know she's. When in... you said red hair, I went a bit crazy then, I was like, but she's got blonde hair, but of course she, she has red yeah, hair as, in as Mary Jane. Yes. Um, so I know she did, um, I think she plays Joe. Yes, I, so I you've know, never I know, seen I know what that means. this. I don't know what Joe means. Let me tell you. So. No, she doesn't She she doesn't play Joe. Winona Ryder plays Joe. Okay. Christian Bale's in it oh, as well. Okay, interesting. Is, you have a treat in store. Oh, Cast, yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. now A-list people. No, yeah. Interesting. But this was in the yeah nineties, and I have watched it a lot. Okay. That film. I'm yeah. That's a good good sign. I, then. I liked it, but again, this is another thing about when you watch something when you're younger. Yeah. And I, and I got very very annoyed by the ending <laughs> of it because it is it is again about the the, the reason why Greta Gerwig is doing it. I am sure is because it's about the emancipation of yeah. women, and yet it's set in a time and that's your kind of I don't know your stakes or your grounding of it which people love the periodic uh, period nature yeah. of it um, but um, now I'm thinking and because again because I consume every I think I found something through talking to you which is that apparently I'll watch any like classic novel being yeah. dramatised even if I've seen three <laughs> other bloody adaptions yeah adaptations. There's, some, there's something about it I don't I don't know I mean because it's set in a time so far removed from our own that it doesn't harm you to just keep watching different versions of it with like slightly different costume and like well-known actors playing familiar characters I think it must be something to do with that because I think when you're watching things that are a lot more 
sort of within your scope of understanding, so within like the years that you know, like so for example, like if my parents were born in the 60s, I know the 60s is like, it's quite close by, so if I read something or watch an adaptation about something at that time, I'm like, no, you've done it wrong, this is ridiculous, but if it's set in the 1800s, then I'm like, I wasn't there, I don't know how things went, and I can't attest to whether or not it's factually accurate without doing my own research, which I'm not going to do, so <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to just sort of I'm sit watching your thing. Exactly, yeah. type thing, so yeah. I think that what I like about adaptations of older novels and works is that there always seem to be rules. I quite like all of the rules. I think that's part of the reason why I like Jane Austen is because you know it's going to end up okay, but also there are rules that lead you to that. And, you know, societal rules of what women can and can't do, I think that that's the framework that any little women adaptation is also yeah. built within and I presume there because I've seen pictures of the cast it's definitely set like they're not updating the time frame as far not as I'm aware it's yeah. in the period um, do you have any thoughts on anything that hasn't been adapted yet that you've really liked the book and you'd like to see that as a visual thing Ooh. do you ever do that when you're reading I do cast it <laughs> I, I, I do sometimes I would, okay this this is a bit niche there's a book that I just a, just a really random rom-com mm-hmm. book that I read last year called um, I love you following to the subject terms and conditions or something like it's really trashy but I was like this would make a great series kind of thing and, and I think the good thing about adaptations is that anything can be turned into a series and I think with all the sort of new streaming services and stuff like yes. there's no sort of limitations anymore so Netflix is just easily be like yes that turn it into it six months later we've got it um, the rate of response is absolutely is phenomenal with Amazon madness. and Netflix particularly so it's good and it also gives like obviously new actors and new writers and female writers a chance to and like um, novelists to actually pen the screenplay for their own work which I think is fantastic yes um, in a lot of ways I've just gone completely off tangent but, no, 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 no 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 it's an important thing in adaptation is to discuss the role of the writer yeah I think you're right because um, sometimes it's a good thing and I agree that sometimes an author gets the chance to be a screenwriter and I think you know going back to Harry Potter because I can't help myself JK Rowling is a perfect example of that yeah. and I think that it took her a while to be a better screenwriter and I'm still not sure she's that good as she, as she is an author. Like, she is yes. obviously great. This is not a rolling slag yeah. here. But um, <laughs> um, I think that, you know, pacing a book and pacing a screenplay are Two different, different yeah. disciplines. Um, but at the same time, um, someone like Gillian Flynn, yeah. um, I wanted to bring this up, actually, because an adaptation, one that I like to tell people about where I'm like, you can read the book and you can watch the film and you can get two different things, even though they're the exact same story yeah. as Gone Girl. I, I completely yeah. agree. Yes. The book is so lengthy. It could have been a TV series, but yeah. you're going to have to leave it a bit longer because yeah. we all know what happens. <laughs> For me personally, I still think it could be. Yeah. Um, but I think that book was amazing. I loved reading it, yeah. even though it was long. And it's not even my favourite Gillian Flynn, because yeah. I like sharp objects. And I was so happy when that turned into... Because, um, I again, that's another reason. Maybe Gillian Flynn is just the key here. Yeah, she... did she write the screenplay for Gonga? I believe she did. Or, or definitely took part in it. Yeah, yeah. I believe she did, yeah. So, they, so, so she, she is... She managed yeah. to sort of give us two different stories from the same story yeah. with two different sort of outlooks. And you're right, yeah. I think... You can, well, that's one of those things that you can watch the movie and read the book and yeah. sort of get two completely different experiences and yeah. yet be satisfied both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, because the book, you're right, was a little bit just on the lengthy side. Yes. But it was really interesting. I didn't read it all in one go, twist. which I normally would, yeah. if it was something that really grabbed me, because I'm like, and, you know, going back and forth, which I absolutely love, mm. but it's also always a nice place in a book to, like, that's yeah. where a TV series is good as well, because you can pause. You can always do that if yeah. you're, but not if you're at the cinema, which I saw <laughs> Gone Girl at the cinema. I remember it was packed. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't escape this. And, and it was Fincher, who is known for his long yes. films. Yes. It wasn't too long, because there's so much that he Could needed to do. And he he did it all. But it's quite funny as well because um, I think that going back to my original remit with the role of women is that Gone Girl's a really good example of where having Fincher on board to direct it turned it into not just a girl book. And I feel like... I do feel like, but I don't think so anymore, but I think back in the day when Gillian Flynn was coming out with Gone Girl, is that it was definitely more my female reader friends who were reading it. Female author, female main character, although, you know, the protagonist, antagonist is is between both of them. Um, And then I think Fincher turned that into a film which didn't have didn't have any kind of gender bias and yeah. I hear a lot of guys particularly who are into film mm-hmm. talking about how much they like that film and how much they like Rosamund Pike's character I think that casting is amazing Ben Affleck is like absolutely perfect yeah he was like, a, like yeah. spot on yeah like especially the way they describe his character's face in the book and then you and see it's without think you're like yep that's, that like, that's exactly right yeah. <laughs> and I just think that like you know, so maybe maybe you can have a equally good adaptation mm. to a book that brings you something new as a film or TV series if you get a really good director and producer True. because we're sharp objects it's like she wrote the script she managed to like um, almost I'd say make that longer in a way although it's a very visual series because Jean-Marc Vallée has a completely different yeah. he is like the visual and she is the bones and I think that works perfectly but now we're just talking about that which I had a whole episode <laughs> on in a, in the last series so I should probably talk about something new something that did come to mind in terms of adaptations mm-hmm. was so one of my favourite book series um, is called um, the, the Stephanie Plum novels by Janet Ivanovich Okay. Um, there's like 26 books. And I've they heard get, of Janet Ivanovich. They get a bit yeah. ridiculous. But 26 kind of, books? Yes. They get a bit ridiculous, but they're still fun. They come out every November. And Have I'm you there, read like, 26 of them? Yes, I'm, I'm completely on track. I think 26 <laughs> maybe is coming out this year or 27. And yeah. every November I'm like, I'm not going to do this to myself again. And yet I just, I just keep going. Yeah. Um, so that was adapted. The first um, novel, One for the Money, was adapted a couple ah. of years ago with Catherine Heigl as the lead. Yes. That I've seen that. It is not good. Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. That's how I know and it. Yeah. I, I was obviously it's like one of my favorite book series, and so I was just like, oh my god, this is going to be great. Was and it then, just the first book? Was it only the plot? Yeah. Of the first only book? the plot. You know, sometimes films kind of all series they amalgamate. Yeah. It was just the first one. Okay. And it was just terrible. Like, but however, that being said, I've seen it four times, and it just ended up turning into one of those things that because it guilty was guilty pleasure. Yes. <laughs> Because just suddenly, like, because it's so far removed from what the book was and everything that you mm-hmm. imagined Stephanie Plum, the protagonist, to be in Ranger and Morelli and all the characters and stuff, it just wasn't at all as anybody envisioned. And so mm. it just became its own thing. So Is it, No, it's not Gerard Butler. Who's the main uh, guy? He looks like Gerard Butler. Because Gerard Butler's in the other one with her. The, um, um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to put you off your throat. The The Ugly Truth? The Ugly, ugly truth. truth. Yes, that's it. The Hot Day. <laughs> 
So it's so which it's is just, a film I love that maybe I'm not supposed to, yeah, but I do. There you go. Yeah, it's it's just so far removed from what the book series was that it just became its thing, its own right, and it's. I think sometimes you just have to accept that mm-hmm. to not be angry. Mm. I think when I first watched it, I was like, no, this is rubbish. I've got a friend who also loved the series. And then it just sort of became a thing that we'd like to sit and just brag, brag on and be like, oh no. And then they picked this and how they did this and everything was just so different. And then I went back and just watched it again being like, I don't really remember much about this movie. And it was just, it just became funny kind of thing. And so now I don't mind, it's still a terrible movie, mm. but I don't mind it in terms of this is what was chosen to adapt it. I mean as well you, you can't be picky I mean as a reader you want things to be you want to be able to sort of visualise because you know it's a possibility you want the works that you love to read to be visualised and seen on screen and like watch it and have it be enjoyed by all but it doesn't always work out the way you want no. so it's like the grass is always green I'm like oh my god when is this going to be adapted and then it is and you're like this isn't what I wanted but obviously it's you just got to take it with a pinch of salt I think sometimes and I guess some movies they are quick to be like oh no, nope nope we made a mistake let's do it again I think there was a second Jungle Book movie on Netflix there was a Jungle Book on Netflix I think oh really but there was another one I know there's the one that came out in cinema with um, Idris Elba yeah, that's, Idris the, that's Elba. the one I was talking there's about there's another one Angels I think it's just called Mowgli that's on Netflix oh this one I haven't Bell. seen yeah. it but for example these days people are just so quick to be like it's fine we can have three or four of the same ones going at the same time which that's crazy it's a bit strange but I guess you always so even though for example with Stephanie Plum if they never make another one they never make another one however like we're saying with like streaming services and things are just coming out like that like things you didn't think would be revived they can put a bad thing under the sweep it under the exactly give it three or four years and they'll be like hey we're doing one for the money again and then it just the whole process starts all over again so I don't know there's a part of me that thinks that cheapens the idea but then if you don't like what has been made then you're right it rectifies something for you so the question for me is would you rather have something made badly in another um, medium Ooh. or not made at all? Given as you're now watching One for the Money, like, obviously, constantly, <laughs> you're going to leave now and go back Yeah, actually, I've got on DVD. Watch. I'm yeah. going to hunt that out. <laughs> Do you know, I think... And I know I'll regret it since I say it, but I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not have it made. Yeah, I, I think I agree yeah. with you. As much as I'd probably mm. be like, oh, my God, it'd be great if they did this. But, I mean, I guess... Like, what's the worth? I mean, I love seeing movies in cinema. I love, like, sitting at home with a bowl of popcorn under a blanket watching films. But at the same time, it's okay to keep the two things separate. Like, this was a book and this was a... And there is no series or this was a series, a completely original series and there's no book going Mm. back. And I think it's okay that there is both. And I think it's also quite interesting as a quick segue that when sort of... You do the opposite, you don't get it very often, um, but the TV series Luther mm-hmm. was original by Neil Cross, but then he went back and actually did a book, which is ah. a bit of a prequel to the first series, and again, w- was there a point? Did you need both? Is it for people who... Well, a prequel, I suppose, at least it, that does mean it's a slightly different story. Yeah, exactly, yeah. but I guess you were always seeing Idris Elba in the book because it was Idris Elba because yeah. they made it based on the movie and I think it's I don't know it's a weird sort of back and forth I mean can the two things be kept separately or do they keep pulling at each other to always join as one and one feeds into the other and vice yeah. versa that's a really interesting take though on 
writing the book as a prequel after a TV original TV series. Yeah. So that must really be quite a rarity. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting because you sort of, sort of mm. when I read it, I was like, but why? I wasn't mad. Mm. It was it was a good book and sort of gave a little bit of insight and as a way of extending the story. Yeah, but yeah. They could as well have made a prequel series. I, yes. I, I wonder why they. Well, you would have preferred go. that. I think I would be happy either way. Yeah. Because, I mean, they've already done... I like to read. And yeah. I guess knowing that the book was already based on the, the series, it doesn't cheapen it, yeah. in a sense. The, they can do nothing wrong. It's just a story based on characters we already know. Um, just interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there anything that you've watched a visual adaptation and you've realised you like that more than the book? There has been, but nothing is coming to mind. I'm sure there's something I've read or watched recently and I, I think I like, can um, I'm sure I've got better examples but the first one that comes to head is The Martian I tried to read The Martian but to be fair I have not completed The Martian book <laughs> so this is an unfair review but I love that film yeah. and then the guy was a self-published writer Andy forgotten his surname sorry Andy and um, uh, he then uh, he, the, the, someone picked it up because they thought it was such a good story yeah. and it, then it became a proper published book and so I have like you know the published paperback of it and then Ridley Scott made the film but I think I probably found all of that out while I was researching yeah. about the film and I love that film and then I tried reading the book and it's um, it's basically just his diary oh, really? from, what, from what I've read yeah. and it's a lot more technical which makes sense mm-hmm. and is is fascinating because that whole can you do this on mars is like what makes the film so good to yeah. me it's like you know it's a race against time is he going to survive and matt damon's so winning in it yeah but um i actually thought oh no i don't like this book it isn't actually for me ridley scott made a film that i think is a lot more um mainstream mm. whereas i think the the book is it, like I like sci-fi, but some sci-fi reading is is not quite for me. Yeah, um, I think you know that's like a genre where you can have your own personal taste. I think on this in the yeah. same vein of sci-fi, I think what came to mind that I liked the movie better, not by much, but definitely better, was the, Hitch- the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, oh I love the book. Really, oh, yeah. That's so, I, mean, I didn't. I like the film. Yeah, I like the books more. I love Douglas Adams. I think. I think the book, first of all, took me a while to get into. Yes. Yeah. I think I picked it up without any real. I had no like idea what I was getting into. Puns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, this is funny, but also, where is this going? And what? And oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, what? And so there's a lot That's of. That's like every sentence you have to read. It's a double entendre. It yeah. was quite mind bending <laughs> to read. So I think. Yeah. The movie was just an easy, <laughs> an easy option sort yeah. of thing. It was like Martin Freeman was great. Um, it's got some like quite choice actors in there. That I don't remember. I can't even remember, but I um, the guy who was the alien. But who's he the was droid? Good. Yeah, who's paranoid? Um, Android. Yeah. Um, and, and something Ford or yes, Ford, Ford Prefect. <laughs> yeah. It's because it's a car. Because I think like I know I knew or a, I don't know I knew I think I know something about the car. Yeah. Maybe when I was really young, someone had. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, but I get that. But I didn't know that like. When I first read it, and then I'm like, oh, he's like picking the name of the car. It's just so I think it's a weird cast. I can't remember anyone but Martin Freeman, but I'm sure there's someone really famous American in it, like Jeff Goldblum or someone. It's just just the someone. It's been a while since I watched it, but I remember thinking. I'm gonna look it up. You carry on. I definitely (laughs) remember thinking. Okay, the movie was a lot easier to follow and watch, and there was no sort of like with the book. There was a lot of me like going back a couple of pages and being like, wait, what? And oh yeah, okay, sort of thing. So I guess. 
sometimes with um, film or TV adaptation, it's just like ease. Like again, as much as I really wish that I had read Outlander before it yes. started, like seeing how big that novel is, do yeah. I have the time to commit? I have all the, the Game of Thrones books. Um, I've read halfway through the first one yeah. and there is nothing wrong with that writing yeah. it's not hard it's a different setup because each chapter is a different character perspective you've read it you haven't read any I've Game of Thrones read it, yeah. Yeah. and I love Game of Thrones a TV series and my friend bought me the books and I just couldn't I yeah. just couldn't do it actually I'd call it lazy but I mean I guess that is what film and TV yeah. does it condenses the whole 800 pages and into makes it like more 10 hours and yeah. action focus like I, I truly believe there are actually two different things and they are the things that you could enjoy separately Mm -hmm. except clearly I don't enjoy that enough to put the work in and also like you see those books and it is quite a daunting task so I'm just looking up Hitchcock's Guide to the Galaxy but I've now found the book and here is it 2005 wow can you believe that's when the film was made God, Martin Freeman's been around for ages. He has. He has been slowly and surely coming mm. up through the ranks. It's got Sam Rockwell in it. It's got Zoe Deschanel in yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. John Malkovich. Maybe he's who yeah. I was oh, thinking of. I love of. John Malkovich. Moss Def. Maybe Moss Def was that, I think that's the guy, I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's got quite a... Wow. How did it do in the box office? Doubled its money. Which okay, is not yeah, too which is bad, good, yeah, which is good. Because it's random. Yeah, it yeah. is a very, very random movie. Yeah. And a screenplay was written, I'm hoping, with a girl, because her name's Carrie. Carrie Kirkpatrick. No, he's a man. Sorry, Carrie. (laughs) It's just... He's American, so I suppose that's probably a perfectly acceptable name. Carrie. Um, He's written things like... Oh, he's written a lot of adaptations of... um, um, Roald Dahl. Oh. James and the Giant Peach, that kind of thing. I love that. That... the movie back in the day yeah it was always on channel 5 yeah the times yeah. <laughs> maybe they're going to remake that haven't they re- They already remade that to a there's an animation and a live action James and the Giant Peach yeah definitely oh, yeah there is yeah I don't know which came first I don't want to think about it <laughs> yeah you look pretty good for someone who just got shot alright here we go thank you for someone who just got shot what is that she looks good. End of story. You don't add on for someone who just got shot. It wrecks the compliment. A real Ben. Yeah, somebody needs to teach Mr. Bondsman some manners. If you had to pick, would you pick books? If I'm saying you have to, you're not allowed to watch anything oh and gosh. you can read, or you're not allowed to read anything and you can watch. Oh dear. Because oh. I'm an evil overlord. Oh gosh. Do you know what? I have no idea. I'd have to just. I don't know. Okay, I'll give you the pros and cons mm-hmm. of both and basically come to no decision. Yeah. Um, so Very clever. <laughs> if I could pick... I think reading is great because you're just in your own... It's your, it allows the characters and the stories to become your own. They're beloved. It's it's like having... It's personal. Like, you yes. own... You, whether you own the book or whatever you're reading on, it's like yours. It's, it belongs to you. So you can sort of visualise things however you want to visualise them come up with your own versions of what they're wearing or how things are like designed or what town they live in so it gives you so much creative freedom you're the director you're the cinematographer you're the costume designer you're everything kind of thing whereas watching a movie it's just sometimes when it's done right and done perfectly Mm -hmm. it's having your vision played out on screen and going back to just being a complete lazy person if you don't have the time like it could take me three or four days or like longer to read a, a, like a of course. 350 page novel like yeah. and I'd say you're a fast reader yeah, most I, people I it takes right. them weeks yeah. <laughs> I do okay mm. and whereas alternatively I could just sit for an hour and a half and just have that done and tick 
and then move on and just get into I could what I could consume so much more with films as I can with books mm-hmm. without yeah than I can in books but each has their own personal treasure okay yes so yeah, I don't so I you don't non-answered pick. the question yes I yeah. did <laughs> <laughs> which one would you pick uh God, I, I, I am embarrassed to admit this because I'd say 10 years ago I would have said the opposite, but I'm all about visual now. Oh, really? If anything, I'm moving more that way because, you know, I've written book manuscripts and they take a long, long time. They take such commitment to write. And now I'm moving into thinking about directing and look at things visually. And it's made me read less and watch more. That makes so, sense. Yeah. In order to, to learn more skills of the visual showing, not telling. Yeah. Um, but when I read a book, there, there's nothing better than a good book. There isn't. I think I think there's because you get it for longer and you have more depth, just as you were saying. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick one now, I'd pick cinema and TV, definitely. Thank you so much. Now, part of the reason why we decided to do this is because I love reading your website where you talk about book and film and TV adaptations. Yes, yes I do. And you always scare me with how much you've managed to like consume <laughs> in like a week. And I'm like, oh. So can you please plug that? Yes. So uh, my blog is Just Jen Reviews. So I review movies that I see in cinema, the odd Netflix reviews. Sometimes I'll rewatch stuff as a new series I started doing. So I'll rewatch movies and just do a bit about that. Um, so yeah, check me out. And I'm- so what? The, what's the exact website address? Oh, it's um, just Jen's reviews. All one word. Yes. Yeah. Dot WordPress.com. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, check check me out and find me. And you definitely should because it's really good. Thank, thank you. No, thank you. This is fun. I, I love our discussion. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jen. If you want to contact Just Jen, then please have a look at the show notes to find out how. Full disclosure, I haven't actually recorded next week's episode yet, but we're actually going to do something a bit timely about a debate that has been raging over film Twitter in the last few weeks and given it a Beyond Bechdel spin. Find out what the mystery is on next week's episode of Beyond Bechdel. Bye! Bye!